Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, it's Rabbi Garfinkel. So excited to be back after a, whoa, two of the last three weeks, a holiday break. It has been busy rocking and rolling around the Garfinkel home. We have so much wonderful news to share. Uh, my daughter, Tehila, and son-in-law, Yaakov Rosenberg, had their second child, our first grandson. Their first child is Ahuva, our beloved, who means beloved in Hebrew. And they had a baby boy right in the intermediate days, Cholomoed Sukkis. And you can imagine... Set off all the alarms, Every all the family comes in, and we had for the end days of Sukkot, four generations at our table. It was really very powerful. My parents um, came in from Florida, and my wife Suri's mother came in from New York, and boy oh boy, to sit at a table with four generations, and not just that there's four generations that happen to be Jewish, but four generations where the, where the Jewish vibe is not just existing or holding on, but it's growing and it's getting stronger each generation. And it's such a such a powerful experience. Uh, the love, obviously, the family at our table was, was very special, but that feeling of transcendence, four generations, and it was incredible. Now, for those of you who, who may have not no, my wife and I are blessed with eight children, seven daughters, and one son. So uh, male births <laughs> for us are a little bit of a rare occurrence. And so uh, there's a classic, a traditional party on Friday night called a Shalom Zachar, where people come. Uh, obviously, the bris is on the eighth day. And so the Shalom Zachar is there uh, the neshama, the soul of the baby boy, needs to connect to Shabbos before his bris, and always will, because it's the eighth day after he's born. Therefore, there will always be at least one Shabbos that the boy, baby will experience. And then, of course, the bris itself. And it was so very special. Uh, my son-in-law is in a kolel, an advanced Talmudic academy, uh, within the Skoki Shiva, and the ceremony, the bris, was done there. And it was just an absolutely stunning, stunning experience and very, very meaningful. Uh, my son-in-law's family, uh, obviously his parents came in, our wonderful Mechutana, which you're going to hear about a little bit later uh, in the podcast, and his, a few of his siblings surprised him by coming in. So it was really a really very special day. Now, um, I have to tell you, one of the most unique characteristics and, and, and observations, actually, I will say, about being an outreach rabbi is that you meet Jews from all walks of life, all levels of religiosity. And I have to tell you something that constantly boggles the mind, and that is the connection of the Jewish people to the bris, to bris milah, to a brit, brit milah, depending on your pronunciation. Ashkenazi or Svardi. But we'll call it a bris because we're Ashkenazi. And uh, the people who are the most detached from anything Jewish, nothing, really, barely anything, 
well, of course we're going to take our baby of eight days year old and have a medical procedure to cut off the foreskin of a very uh, delicate area of the body, of the anatomy. Of course. I mean, that's, we don't even talk about that. Kosher, no. Shabbos, no. Learning Torah, no. Nothing, nothing. Really, like nothing. But bris, of course. Like, how could, and, and the question is, why? And so this is what we're going to deal with today. Uh, delve into on Monday Motivation Podcast. We're going to do that for a few minutes, and then we are going to transition in to the name of my grandson and for whom he's named. And that is going to be the part about the Jewish pilot who bombed the Nazis. Okay, it's a very, very exciting thing. All right, so here we go. So you know the expression, right? A deal is a deal. So a deal is a deal. That expression, but you know, like how long can a deal last? I mean, how long is a person alive? So if a person makes a deal, I don't know, it'll last as long as he lives or to the extent that the contract um, demands, right? Um, But can you imagine a deal lasting one generation, two generations, three generations? How about 3,000 800 years. That's pretty cool. That is a deal of a lifetime and beyond. That's a deal for eternity. And that deal is called a bris. A bris is not just a deal. It's a covenant. A covenant is when each side, um, in, in Hebrew, it says lichrot brit, which means you literally need to cut. You cut a deal. Actually, in English, I believe uh, it comes from the real he- from the Hebrew expression lichrot brit to cut a deal. What does it mean that each side gives up something very precious to itself to the and gives it to the other, and that giving up of each side ba- binds these two parties forever. So this isn't a deal that can just be annulled. This is a pact that lasts for eternity. Now, how can you have a pact that lasts for eternity? Well, if you make it with the Almighty, if you make it with the CEO of the universe who has no lifespan, who was, is, and will be forever, then your pact, your bris can last forever. And that is what bris mila is, circumcision. All right, so what happens? What happened over here? Where'd we get this? So in chapter 17 of Bereshis, and now that we're in the new cycle, we just passed Simchas Torah, we're starting, you know, we just had Parshas Bereshis, and we're going on to Parshas Noach this coming week. And in a few weeks, we're going to be reading chapter 17 of Bereshis, of Genesis. And Avraham is 99 years old, and... God comes to him and says, let's make a deal. Let's make a bris. And God lays out to Avraham what he is going to promise Avraham forever and ever. He says, I will be a God for you and your children forever. They will always be connected to me forever and ever and ever. And that's come true, of course. We're, we're, we're Jews, we're talking, we have, we, we Jews made it even to podcasts, okay, we, we've made it from 3,800 years ago, from wagon wheels to podcasts, okay, so, uh, and nanotechnology, so uh, that certainly has come true, and the second one is that God has promised that the Jewish people, the land of Israel will always be theirs, 
It will always be theirs. Now, we may not merit to live in all of it, and there may be people there who will dispute it, but God never rescinded the land of Israel from us. We didn't merit to live there, but God promised the Jewish people the land of Israel forever. And the miraculous comeback in the last over 100 years to the land of Israel, even more last really 200 years to the land of Israel, has been nothing short of miraculous. Okay, so that's what's on the table, what God is giving up. He's promising that no matter what's going to happen, he will be our God forever, and we will be his children, and the land of Israel forever. But what's in it? What do we need to give up? We need to give up our foreskin. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But it is. We do the bris milah. We show that we are in. We are totally focused on serving the Almighty. Now, if you would think, if you'd ask me, what what would be a, a bris that we should, uh, what what should God have chosen? Well, maybe keep kosher. If you keep kosher, no matter what, or keep Shabbos, or or any other of the mitzvahs, put on tefillin, talis, any of these other things. Maybe that. But there's something about a bris mila that is so so powerful. <clears throat> In fact, um, the Gemara. In Nadarim, Lamed Beis Aleph, a tractate 32a of Nadarim, says, Gedola Mila, Sheshkula Keneged Kola Mitzvah Shepetara. And I'll translate, don't worry, that the mitzvah of Bris Mila is so big, it's, it's correspondent, it is equal to all the mitzvahs of the Torah. Why? Because the Maral explains, Midneki Kol HaMitzvahs Enam Rakshiyei Bris Vechibor Ben Hashem which means, oh, you guys, oh my God, what is Rabbi doing? I just wanted to, you to feel authentic. You heard the Hebrew. Is that a bris demonstrates that the whole point of the mitzvahs of everything we're doing is connection to Hashem. Judaism is not a religion as much. It really is a relationship with Hashem. And all the mitzvahs we do are really exercises of connecting ourselves to Hashem. So the bris dramatically demonstrates our firm commitment to our relationship with Hashem. Hashem, God says, jump, and we say, how high? We're in. We are in. We are wearing our badge of honor and we will serve you, Hashem, forever. That is the power of the bris. And it's no accident that it comes on the organ of procreation because that symbolizes the eternity. God promises you, Jewish people, you are going to be an eternal nation. You'll have a sign on the very organ that leads to procreation. You will be an eternal nation. That's where your badge will be. There are many other illusions and symbolisms of the bris. In our, just one very quickly, and then I want to go on to the uh, another the, the dramatic name and for whom our, our little mayor is named, is that our culture today is totally driven by des- desire, totally overtaken by desire, from advertising to life to everything. It is, I want this, I want that. And, and, and people really are at a point where they don't control themselves. If I want this, I'm going to go get it. If it's the right thing to do or not. And what other area is in more 
is this true than in the sexual realm? And the Jewish people say, no, this area, the foreskin, the extra part, that extra part, that we're going to cut away. We're going to engage in this, but within marriage, we're going to circumscribe, we're going to harness this power, this passion, this drive for holiness. And that is a little bit of a microcosm of the Jewish Torah approach to physicality in general and sexuality in particular. And it's no accident that the bris happens there. Okay, much more to talk about, but I want to transition now into the incredible name that our grandson, Mayor Rosenberg, has. So for whom is he named? So our little Mayor is named after our son-in-law, Yaakov's maternal grandfather. Our wonderful Mechutanim, Shmuel and Malka Rosenberg. So Malka's father. And when I heard this story, I heard it after the bris at the meal. So I had a bris, there's a meal. And I just didn't even know what to do with myself. I knew he had served in World War II. Um, but, but here's just the highlights of the story. I'm sure there's a lot that I'm missing. And, uh, but you can hear just from these highlights how special it is that Mayor is alive <laughs> that, and, um, and uh, the power of his name. Okay, so here we go. So William Mark, or Bill Mark, his name actually was Markowitz, but because of anti-Semitism in the army, he changed it to Mark. And so uh, Bill Mark uh, was uh, actually not drafted because of World War II. He uh, either said he was... He was drafted. People had to do some sort of military service at the time. And while he was in the training, Pearl Harbor happened and the war broke out. And he eventually got to uh, a place where he didn't really want to be. And he saw in the, uh, uh, they were advertising that uh, the Air Force needed pilots. And he applied for it and he was accepted. did a series of trainings, and he ended up becoming a navigator. Now, a navigator in these B-17 bombers uh, not only navigated where the plane was going, but also where and when specifically to drop the bombs. Okay, clearly a very, very intelligent man. You know, you're talking about how to, you know, you imagine a plane go. it sounds like a math problem, but it really is a math problem. Planes going at 500 miles an hour, 1,000 miles an hour, whatever it was, and, and you want to land it. Uh, the bomb at a certain X marks the spot. So at what point do you need to drop the bomb to land correctly? It was a very, very difficult thing. Okay. But what I want to talk about now is his 20th mission. His B-17 bomber's engine started burning. And the pilot told him, we all have to bail. We have to bail. He said it was so quick, he couldn't even think. But you got to do what you got to do. Before he knew it, he had his oxygen mask up. There were 20,000 feet in the air, maybe higher, and parachuting out. He pulled the parachute and nothing happened. said it took him several attempts. And finally, miraculously, the parachute opened. But at that time, German planes had seen what's going on. And they passed literally above him and below him. He said he thought he was dead for sure. But they just passed by and they didn't shoot him. 
He finally landed in the snow, and the Germans surrounded all of the people who uh, who uh, who had to uh, bail from the plane, and they captured them. Now there were actually many. He said many. Uh, they were taken to a P- POW camp in northern Germany for American officers. Now, at this point, he did not want to let anyone know that he was Jewish uh, because, he, in fact, he was wounded. He didn't ask for any medical treatment because he did not want them to figure out that he was Jewish or be singled out for it. Eventually, he spent 15 months in this prisoner of war camp. Now, this was not a concentration camp, but the conditions, he said, deteriorated rapidly to the point where there really was not enough food. Um, Eventually, towards the end, they separated all the Jewish officers out. And this story I heard directly from my mechutin, from Malka Rosenberg, who obviously heard it from from her father. And... They had set an execution date when these Jewish officers were going to be executed. And he said to Hashem, he spoke to God the night before, and he said, God, whatever happens, I'm with you. I'm with you. I trust you. I did my best. Whatever you have in store for me, I trust you. He wakes up the next morning thinking it's going to be his last day's on planet Earth. And all of a sudden he realizes there are no Nazis. There are no Nazis. Because the Russians had come that day to liberate that POW camp. Now, <laughs> can you imagine this? Let's say the Russians would have come next week or two weeks later or one day later. It all would have been over. And I'm sitting there holding, you know, as I hold my grants and I think about this story of, of, of what could have been or what couldn't have been. The, by one twist or turn, as he's falling out of the sky in his parachute and the plane doesn't shoot, or the, the execution day comes, or they find out he's Jewish sooner, or whatever the case is, or if he wasn't an officer, the reason why he was uh, not killed on the spot as being a Jew was because he was an officer, and therefore they were potentially going to look to swap for other German prisoners, etc. It's absolutely a miracle. And there's so many ramifications of this to think about of the six million or even potentially more of Jews who killed and what would have come from them. It's staggering to think about. But the miracle of appreciating this grandson and this Little Jewish boy, God willing, will do great, great things in the world. Amen. And the Shem will bless him. What does it mean for us? It means for us that we have the opportunity each day. We don't need to be in a Nazi POW camp and liberated to appreciate the value of every day of life. And and to think about what will our legacy be? What are we leaving on to the next generation? That is what Torah is about. And that was the original pact of Bris Mila. The original pact that God says, you, says to us, you're going to be my people forever. And I'm going to be your God. And that is the power of the Bris Mila. And so, as a family of four generations sat 
together at Shabbos and at Simchas Torah and the meals together. And we celebrated this mayor, this little boy who Meir means to light up, who will God willing light up the world. God willing, we will take the message of Bris Mila and the beautiful, incredible strength of Bill William Mark and, well, really, Mayor. And God willing, we will all be inspired to live meaningful, powerful Jewish lives. God bless. Have a great day. Great week. It's great to be back. See you here next week again at Monday Motivation. Oh